0: Hey everyone, this is Kamiti Jackson, your regular hostess has stepped away for the week, so I'm sitting in for her until she gets back to her computer, and I'm so excited to be here to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm the author of two books, an e-book, a couple of unproduced screenplays, several short stories, and even a few original R&B songs, which I will soon record in the studio just because it's fun to do so. Follow me on Twitter if you want me to keep you posted about that. Today, I'll be reading from my most recent book. It's a young adult novel entitled K. My Name is Kendra. It's been classified as realistic YA fiction and has thankfully been slowly but steadily gaining great reviews since its release a few months ago. So here's the Amazon.com synopsis 15 year old Kendra James' life begins to spiral out of control with the return of her long lost runaway sister, Miaisha, and the visit of a young celebrity uncle with questionable intentions. Things take a particular turn for the worse when that uncle exploits Kendra's loneliness and untreated depression and makes a move on her that sends her world into a tailspin from which she's not sure she'll ever recover. Will she survive this tragedy, or will she hit rock bottom before anyone even notices? I'll be reading chapter 16 and 17 to you today. Um, there really aren't any spoilers here since this synopsis pretty much gives you an idea of the storyline But to briefly set the scene for today's reading, these two chapters follow an episode that occurs shortly after Kendra's uncle first harms her. So let's begin. Chapter 16. Good people make bad mistakes sometimes, and you have to find it in your heart to forgive them when they do. That's what I'm going to do with Uncle CJ, I've decided. I have to. As twisted as this whole thing with him is, I can't face being alone again without anyone to talk to. I need him in my life, need someone to listen to me when I speak, someone to say the right things when I'm feeling bad and can't put the words together to express my pain. My uncle must have been upstairs watching the street from a window, because his door is open when I get off the elevator on his floor. I don't say anything as I walk past him. He closes the door behind him and watches me quietly as I kick off my shoes in the foyer, slip out of my coat and head into the living room. There's a small white gift box with a red ribbon around it, sitting on the coffee table in front of the couch. Uncle CJ seems to be waiting to see my reaction before he speaks, but I don't pick the box up just yet. I'm not letting him off that easy. Me first, I say finally, and he nods. I want to come off as this really strong woman, which is why I had practiced beforehand all the things I was going to say. As long as Uncle CJ doesn't interrupt me, I should be able to get all of this out so that he understands that what happened last week can never happen again. That he bruised my body and my spirit. That I'm having nightmares about it and I'm afraid to close my eyes to sleep. But I don't get any of it out because I start bawling like a baby and can't stop. Uncle CJ reaches out to me, but I back away from him at first. I don't want him touching me. After a while, though thinking about all the bad stuff that has been going on over the past few weeks just kind of gets to me, and I let him put his arms around me. He holds me for a long time, and eventually I fall asleep. When I wake up, he's sitting on the edge of the couch staring down at me, and I can see that look in his eyes again. I get really nervous because he doesn't say anything at first, just sits there staring. I wonder how long he's been watching me. Uncle CJ, I say. I feel my body tense off ends up thinking I might have to fight him off. You know that kid that was pushing up on you the day I picked you up at school, he asks? I nod. Don't let him touch you, okay, baby girl? Don't let anyone else touch you. I nod again. He gets up at that point, pulls his wallet from his pocket, and hands me a folded over wad of money. What's this for? I ask. I need to put you in a cab, he says, turning his back to me and walking over to the window. You need to leave right now, Kendra. Right this minute. I leave right that minute. I cry as I wait alone in the lobby of his building because I honestly think that once I leave there, I won't ever hear from Uncle CJ again. But he calls me the minute my cab pulls away to make sure we're okay. I tell him we are. We don't talk about why he sent me away. We don't really need to. I get it. I saw it in his eyes. I know when I walk through the front door of my house an hour later that I'm in more trouble than I've ever been in my life. It's not like I don't expect it. I mean, I did walk out of school in the middle of the day and disappear for hours without telling anyone where I was. But if I'm woman enough to do something so bold, then I'd need to be woman enough to deal with the consequences. Even still, I wish there was a way I could sneak in and get up to my room before anyone notices. Of course, that's not going to happen because Mama and Eris are standing in the kitchen when I come through the front door, and both of them are heated. Mama's eyes narrow when she sees me, and Eris has the same tight jaw and jumping vein in his temple as Daddy has when he's angry. The worst thing I can do right now is speak, so I just keep my mouth shut and wait for one of them to get it started. This can go a couple different ways, Eris says after a few moments. His voice is even and steady when he says it, and I tense up even more. Meanwhile, Mama is standing a few feet away from him, puffing on a cigarette. Mama hasn't smoked in years, mind you, but there she is with that stick between her fingers. And it doesn't look like it's been the first one of the night either. The best thing you can do for yourself right now is just be real, Eris says. Simple as that. Just be real. He folds his arms across his chest and glares at me as if he's daring me to be anything but completely honest with him. I felt like I was going to lose it, I say quietly. I felt like I was going to flip out right there in class. I had to get out of there. I just had to go. Eric shakes his head. So you leave school grounds in the middle of the day? Just get up and walk out without talking to anyone to let them know you're in crisis? It was stupid, I know, and I'm sorry, I say. I wasn't thinking straight. All I could think about was getting out of there. To go where, Kendra, he asks. I wasn't heading any place in particular when I walked out, I say, which is true because I didn't get that text from Uncle CJ until after I walked out. I just had to get out, I say. Mama closes her eyes and turns away from me. She's taking deep, long drags on her cigarette now, and I can tell she's trying real hard to keep herself from exploding all over me. And where did you end up, Eris asks. I clear my throat wishing I could think of something to say to stall the conversation because I know it's about to get ugly. Um, what is the best I can do? Where did you end up, Mama yells, pronouncing each word as she's talking to someone who doesn't speak English. You've been missing for hours, Kendra. It's almost 11 o'clock at night, and if you say you were with Nita or Miaisha, it is on, because I've already spoken with them both, and you weren't with either one of them. So where have you been? I don't say anything. I can't say anything. I cannot tell them I was with Uncle CJ, because to admit that would bring on all other kinds of questions I don't want to answer right now. Girl, if you don't start talking, Mama warns. I clear my throat again. I can't say I don't hear much of the rest of the conversation there's a lot of yelling a little bit of crying and at some point mama says she already has enough to deal with right now without having to put up with yet another fast tailed daughter this is the first time I've ever heard anyone say anything like that about me Aisha for a quick moment I wonder if mama calling her fast tailed had anything to do with why she left all those years ago maybe they even had an argument just like this one as for me I don't like being called fast-tailed, especially when I've tried so hard to be what my parents want me to be. It hurts me. It hurts really deep. If you have two fast-tailed daughters, Mama, I say before I can stop myself, then maybe you ain't doing something right. She slaps me hard. Eris crosses the room and pulls her off me. I honestly don't know what comes over me because I stand there and actually dare her to hit me again. Philip comes running into the kitchen at this point, and it takes both of them to drag her out of there. She's screaming hysterically, and the only words I can understand are that if I'm so grown that I can stay out all night, then I don't need to be living under her roof. Mama, where's she going to go, I hear Eris say, trying to reason with her as they struggle to keep her from coming back at me. She can go right back to where she just came from, Mama yells loud enough so that I can hear her from the staircase. Let her go right back there if she's so grown. So I leave. I'm on the city bus for about an hour when Uncle CJ calls to say goodnight. He asks how things went when I got home and I half lie and tell him that mom is mad, but everything is cool. I don't want him to know what really went down because I know he'll tell me to come and stay at his place for the night and I can't do that. I don't know where to go, so I decide that I'll just ride the bus for as long as I can and then figure out what to do from there. Chapter 17, I've never been called to the principal's office before in my life, so even though I try to put on my best I don't care face, I'm a little nervous as I sit there in the waiting area just outside Principal Moore's door. There's a little knot in the pit of my stomach, partly because I don't know what to expect in there from him, but mostly because I don't know what to expect from Mama, who will probably be coming through the door any minute now. Sure enough, the door opens right then, but it's Eris who walks in. I'm kind of surprised that he's the one who showed up because I'm pretty sure they want to see one of my parents, not my older brother. He looks exhausted, like he didn't sleep at all last night. What's going on with you, girl, he asks, his voice low and tired as he sinks into the chair next to me. He doesn't look or sound angry, just worn out. I can't believe you left like that, he says. I shrug my shoulders. Mommy didn't want me there, so I dipped. He shakes his head and sighs, staring down at his hands for a long time. Were you safe, Kendra? He finally asks. I get what he's asking me. I wasn't doing that, I say. I needed to think. I spent the whole night riding the bus. If you don't believe me, I can prove it. Without thinking, I pull a handful of bus chancers from my coat pocket, breathing a sigh of relief that he doesn't actually take them, because if he does, he'll see the one out to Feather Hills. I honestly hadn't planned to end up there, but after riding the bus for four sleepless hours in the middle of the night with people who scare me much more than Uncle CJ sometimes does, I had had enough. I was completely exhausted, and all I wanted was a place to stretch out for a few hours before coming to school. I couldn't skip, because even though Mom is angry with me right now, I know she'd call the police in a New York minute to file a missing person report if I didn't show up for classes the next day. A missing person report would end up in an investigation and an investigation would be to Uncle CJ. And even though he probably should be arrested for what he's done to me twice now, the first time Friday and the second time this morning before I was able to fight my way out of there, I just can't be the one to do that to him. I just can't. Besides, what's happened with us is partially my fault. He says I bring it out in him, whatever it is. I just wish I could figure out what to do to keep my friendship with him but make him stop coming after me that way. Kendra, Mama is dealing with a lot right now, okay? This stuff with Dad being gone and me coming back, this is heavy. This is grown-up drama, you understand? So I need you to put your little issues aside and stop adding to the problem. Can you manage that until this all blows over? <sighs> My little issues. <sighs> if he only knew. Whatever, I mumble. Eris ignores me. Now, when we get in here, he says in a low voice as the door to the principal's office opens, you let me handle it. They're talking about suspension, Kendra, but I'm hoping to negotiate down from that. I roll my eyes and shrug my shoulders like I don't care. Eris shakes his head again, his eyes flash with anger, and his jaw tightens as he stands. He puts his left hand on my shoulder and nudges me out of my chair. Now, I know you can't be Kendra's father, Principal Morris says to Eris as he approaches me. I've never seen him close up before. He's taller than I thought he was. Bigger, too. And after staring at him for a few seconds, he kind of reminds me of the father in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reruns I watch sometimes. Eris sticks out his hand. I'm Kendra's oldest brother, sir. My name is Eris James. We usually hold conferences like this one with a parent or guardian, Principal Moore says as he shakes my brother's hand. Are you her guardian? No. But unfortunately, neither parent is available right now, which is actually the reason for Kendra's behavior yesterday. If you'll just let me take this meeting with you, sir, I'll explain everything. Principal Moore looks at both of us like he's sizing us up, then nods. We can talk, he says. Let's go on in. What do you do, heiress, he asks my brother as we follow him into his office. I'm in marketing, sir. Eris says as we sit down across from Principal Moore. Graduated three years ago from Morehouse and moved back here to work full time at the Evans and Bell in a position for which I'd interned the two previous summers. Working your way up, P.S. Slowly but surely, Eris says firmly. Principal Moore nods like he's impressed, then glances over at me. His face takes on this stern look, but his eyes are still kind. I feel myself relaxing a little. So tell me what's happening at home, Miss James, he asks. I want Eris to speak, but I know he won't because the man didn't ask him, he asked me. I fidgeted in my chair for a few seconds and then I shrugged my shoulders like I don't have anything to lose by telling him what's up. My father walked out on our family the other night because he and my mother had a huge fight about my older sister wanting to come back into our family after being gone for 10 years. She ran away when she was 15. I don't know why because no one will tell me and up until a few days ago, we didn't even know if she was still alive. Mama wants it back, and Daddy doesn't, so he left, I say, almost in one breath. The principal looks at Eris, who nods, then back to me. That's a lot to deal with, he says gently. Truth be told, if I was your age and I came to school with all that on my mind, I'd probably have felt like running away to be by myself for a while, too. Now, adults use this tactic all the time. They start out sounding like they understand why you did what you did, and then they switch up on you and punish you for what you did. I know where this is headed. The thing is, Miss James, he says, leaning forward, there are consequences to almost everything we do, even if we are under duress when we do them. I knew it. Now, in most cases, what you did warrants an immediate suspension. Do you think you deserve to be suspended? No, I don't, I say, shaking my head. Why not? Because I'm a good student, I never get into trouble. I made a stupid mistake because I was I was under duress, like you just said. Then what do you think you deserve, he asked, sitting back in his chair. I'm thinking, is he serious? I get to pick my own punishment? I wonder what his angle is. I can't tell yet. Clinic, I suggest after a few moments clinic is what our school now calls attention. Why, I don't know. I guess they think spending time after school with a room full of students you're not allowed to talk to and a teacher who is angry that they have to sit there with you is somehow supposed to heal a student in trouble. One week, he says. But to me, he looks like he's willing to negotiate. Three days, I say, max. Principal Moore stares me down for a minute, and I wonder if maybe I read him wrong, but then he throws his head back and lets out a big, booming laugh. I like her, he says to Eris. My brother finally relaxes and kind of throws a smile my way. It's been a long time since he's done that. I realize at that very moment how much I missed the days when he used to at least act like he liked me, when he used to pay attention to me. Three days, starting tomorrow, Principal Moore agrees. And I've already spoken to Miss Wilson about you spending them with her. Miss Wilson? Yep, he says. I read your file, Ms. James. I've seen your transcripts. You're a very good student, but you're an even better writer, gifted with the potential to be brilliant even at your young age. I want you to use this time in clinic to be productive. Take all this negativity and spin it into something positive. I think writing under Miss Wilson's guidance is a good start. How does that sound? I can do that, I smile. Good, he says, getting to his feet. I think we're done here, then. Me and Eris get up, too, and follow Principal Moore to the door, where he shakes both our hands as we leave. Miss James, he says, I like you, but I don't want to see you in here again, at least not for a meeting like this, here. I nod as he turns back to Eris. And you be sure to tell Roderick Evans I said hello, young man. Eris looks surprised. You know the CEO of my company, sir? From way back in the day. "'College buddies. We're more housemen, too, as a matter of fact,' Principal Moore grins. "'You make that trip up to the 23rd floor tomorrow, son. "'Tell him Wesley Moore sent you, "'and tell him to call me about the three of us having a talk on the back nine "'sometime in the very near future.'" Eric shakes his hand again, and we leave. I don't really understand what he's all excited about, but I have an idea that my brother making that trip up to the 23rd floor tomorrow with a personal message from Principal Moore, "'The back nine has something to do with golf, I think,' It's probably going to help his career. Eris is still grinning when I walk him out to the front steps of my school a few minutes later. I'm happy for him. He always looks so intense. It's nice to see him like this every now and then. Thanks for meeting with him, I say as he turns to face me. His smile fades, but at least his eyes don't look as angry as they did before the conference with Principal Moore. You saved yourself, Kendra. And that man in there, he gave you a break make sure you don't let him down. Better yet, don't let yourself down. I'll see you at home, he says, turning to leave. Is Mama okay with that? I frown. You're 15 15 years old. Where else are you supposed to go? But my suggestion to you would be to apologize and then act right. I'm serious, Gendra. Eris, I say as he makes his way down the steps. Was Miasha really the way Mama said she was? I've heard some stuff, he says, shrugging his shoulders. Only God and should know the truth about that, though. He reaches the bottom step, then stops and turns back to me again. You don't worry about Miaisha's reputation, Kendra, or her relationship with Mama, for that matter. Worry about your own on both counts, he says. Come straight home after school. I'll see you later tonight. I hear a sound behind me as I'm watching Eris leave, and I turn to find Nita standing in the doorway. We both kind of stare at each other without speaking until she finally walks over to me, reaching me just as Eris rolls by in his car. Was that Eris, she asks, and I nod. Wow, he looks even better close up. Look, Kendra, she says after we stand there a few more seconds in silence. I don't know what's going on with you lately. And yeah, I'm hurt that you won't talk to me, but I just wanted to say that when you do decide you need someone, I'm here. We're still girls. I want you to know that. She gives me a quick hug, then turns and walks back inside. I'm glad we kind of made up, because I don't like not talking to her. But I'm also glad she doesn't stick around very long, because I think I'm about to bust out crying again. That's the end. Thank you guys for letting me share K, My Name is Kendra with you today. You can read reviews and order the book now on Amazon.com. And while you're online, please also stop by www.kmynameiskendra.com to learn more about the book, to find out about my upcoming book signing events, to read a couple character interviews, and sign up for my occasional newsletter. Thanks again for your time. Bye.